You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Right now, let's say good morning to the gum-chewing Dr. History. <laughs> good morning, Zeb. How you doing? I'm good, thank it's you. It's a nice day out there. Sun shining. It's looking nice. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, I get spring fever. Yeah, day like today. Looks nice. Yeah, really. You know, one of the questions I've had as we watch television and we peruse history, um, you always see like old Milburn Stone when he started on Gunsmoke as the old doc. But he never had assistants. He never had any nurses. Didn't they have nurses back in those days? That's the subject of today's topic, or the topic of today's subject. (laughs) You blew it, I did, I did, I did. Uh, yes, the nurses, and you don't see any movies or TV shows really about the nurses of the Old West, and yet they played a huge part in helping the pioneers, the mountain men, even the Indians, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, go ahead. All right. Well, as I mentioned, any discussion of medical progress or modern hospitals cannot be complete without honoring the nursing profession. Now, the status of both hospitals and the nursing profession kind of developed together. Mm -hmm. Yet, women have served as amateur nurses for centuries. Uh, They tended to the personal care of sick people, and they've always been primarily, uh, it's been the responsibility of women. You think about uh, the old communities. There was always uh, somebody that helped deliver babies, you know. uh, What did they call uh, them, midwives? Midwives, and uh, if somebody was hurt, it was usually the women that did something. Yeah. But it was actually well into the 20th century before nurses began to gain respect as a profession. But uh, even in the early days, there was a lot of young women that were drawn to this calling as a way to make their mark in the world. I'll be darned. And, you know, you and I have both seen nurses and what they put up with, and they are a special uh, person. I, that's all I can say. Would you want to deliver bedpans? No. I oh, mean, okay. it's uh, so they are great. But, you know, one of the uh, historians pointed out, he said, as poorly salaried as it was and as difficult as it was to achieve for many young women, nurses was a move up in status. Uh, it was a profession. How did they create the jobs? Well, I, I think it was mostly on-the-job training, I see. really. I see. Now, uh, during the Crimean War in 1854, wounded soldiers were dying of infections in military hospitals when mm. British nurse Florence Nightingale oh, yeah. came on the scene. And basically what she did is she improved the hygiene by scrubbing the wards and the halls from top to bottom, washing the linens separating infected patients from non-infected ones, and she reduced the mortality rate from infections in British soldiers from 40% to 2%. Let me ask you, though, it was almost uh, agony in the Civil War. I mean, the well, treacherous uh, violence of how the doctors right. had to treat their patients. Well, and uh, stories go of, you know, a, a, a table with yeah. a doctor uh, taking off a leg or an arm. Yeah. They'd move that patient off, throw a bucket of water on the table, put another patient on there. Yeah. And in fact, uh, I guess can't remember which battle it was, but they were on the second story, and they threw the amputated legs and arms out the window, oh my and by the time they were goodness. done... 
that pile reached up to that second story oh window. Oh my goodness, that's but, that's terrible. But cleanliness was. Uh, it was just totally ignored. When did hygiene really introduce itself into medicine? Well, I think we may cover that a little bit okay. as we go along here. Right. But, uh, you know, um, actually there was a, a lady by the name of Elizabeth Blackwell who was actually the first woman doctor in the United States. And that was about the mid-1800s, about 1850. Really? Yeah. But in America, many army doctors during the Civil War refused to work with women who volunteered as nurses. Really? It required thousands of deaths in army hospitals before the military hierarchy, especially the doctors, accepted nurses and their instincts for cleanliness as a valid way to reverse the trend of death. So on the Yankee side, one outstanding nurse, her name was Mary Ann Bickerdyke. Actually, Bickerdyke. That's Uh. the way it looks. So, anyway, she became a legend. And this forceful lady from Ohio became known as Mother Bickerdyke. And they also called her the Cyclone in Calico. So, I have a feeling that she was a pretty forceful type lady. Uh But with only personal experience and a great deal of common sense, she fashioned hospitals on the battlefields, on the decks of ships, and in barns, houses, abandoned buildings. And in all, she set up about 300 field hospitals for General Ulysses S. Grant's Western Armies. Wow. She nursed, cooked, organized supplies, arranged transport for her, what she called her boys. She gathered herbs and made poultices and medicines. And when one kind of proud doctor asked her where she got her authority, she said, from the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. (laughs) And you have to think that these people did have kind of a, a... inward calling or whatever you want to call it well, to be able to help people you, like they do. You mentioned something about the herbs and the poultices and everything. A lot of that was not, quote unquote, really based on medical science, was no, it? But I think some of it they got from Indians. I think yeah. some they got from maybe Europe even yeah. and brought over here. But after the war, someone said of her efforts, your army record, which was a record of service to the sick and wounded soldiers in camp hospital and on the battlefields, transcends that of all other women. So she was an amazing woman. Uh, uh, that's all I can say about wow. her. Uh, do you want to take a break right here, Zeb? This I might will. be a good I spot. Will. You know, Dr. History and I, of course, our wives probably have little jobs for us to do this spring. One, of course, might be remodeling. So maybe there's a room. Maybe there's something with the roof. Maybe you have to put some new windows in. Whatever. You'd better check with Minicasha Sales. 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. Old Zach and the whole crew, man, they can help you, and they will. And I suggest you stop in or give them a call today, 878-2091, 878-2091, Minicasha Sales. And they've got all the carpet. I mean, really, call Zach or stop in because they can help you at Minicasha Sales. And now back to Here we Dr. Go. History. <laughs> Well, in general, nursing throughout the 1800s was an art learned at the mother's knees. So there's, there's the education right there, Zeb. Yep. Uh, nuns of various religious orders also served as nurses during wartime and on the frontier. And it's interesting to note that during the Civil War, black women were accepted as nurses and in this capacity actually suffered, suffered less prejudice. And among African-American women serving as nurses in the Civil War was a lady by the name of Susie King Taylor, who accompanied her husband to battle with the first South Carolina volunteers and nurse the sick and the injured. 
Another lady by the name of Harriet Tubman. I heard of her. Have you? Okay. Was also said to have nursed Union soldiers in the hospital. Now, she was, oh boy, i got to think about this, and maybe the audience can help us too. Harriet Tubman, uh, there is a collegiate scholarship, I believe, named for her. You know, there could be, because that does sound really familiar. But while there were few effective treatments available for many of the sick and wounded soldiers, the nurses did much to promote their comfort and raise their morale. Uh, Louisa May Alcott, a Union nurse, wrote her. Of, she wrote of her experiences in a makeshift Army hospital. She said, I would poke up the fire, add blankets, joke, coax, and command, but continue to open doors and windows as if life depended on it. And another Civil War nurse decide, described how she went from cot to cot, sponging foreheads, talking, and reading to the wounded, writing letters for them, bringing them food, giving them medicine. And we uh, begin the day by getting them all washed and freshened up, breakfasted. Then the surgeons and dressers make their rounds, open the wounds, apply the remedies, and replace the bandages. This is an awful hour. I sat with my fingers in my ears this morning. Ooh. Because, you know, there's no the anesthesia. Screen. Yeah. yeah. Well, in in the South, well-bred lady, ladies were discouraged from working as nurses. Really? Because it was viewed as a degrading occupation. Oh, my. So, nevertheless, many of them did volunteer, but because of the social attitude, most of them remained anonymous. Can you imagine the human suffering back then from the pain? Yeah. Aye, But one Southern nurse, her name was Kate Cumming, alluded to Florence Nightingale and said bitterly, it seems strange that the aristocratic women of Great Britain have done with honor what is a disgrace for their sisters on this side of the Atlantic to do. I see. Just, uh, you know, wow. I don't know why that was. When did they change their attitude on I, I think it just slowly changed through the mid-1800s. Wow. But medical care during the Spanish-American War showed little progress. There was a nurse named actually Anna Turner who volunteered for service in Virginia in 1898. So we're getting towards the end of the 1800s. Mm-hmm. But she cared for wounded soldiers returning from Cuba. Many of the men were sick with typhoid. She describes a hospital in her diary. She says, A tent hospital was set up consisting of four tents placed together. This housed 100 men ill with typhoid. Oh, boy. Equipment consisted of 20 cots, one hand basin, one water pail and dipper, one bedpan, a stand by each cot, a corpsman, no training, when she first arrived, her commanding officer had told her, you are not wanted. Well, after weeks of observing her grueling work, he apologized. One water bucket for 100, 100 soldiers? that were sick. Eee. So, okay, now we're moving a little further ahead. 1917. Oh, right a, around the First World yeah, War War. Yeah. World so War. trained nurses were sorely needed not only to care for wounded soldiers in World War I, yeah. but also to fight another enemy that was killing thousands worldwide. Influenza. Oh, my. For nurses who served uh, during this period, uh, whether overseas or on the state side, the terrible pandemic in- dominated their lives. And, and they were really subjecting themselves oh, to getting it, too, weren't exactly. they? Exactly. They were right there with them. Yeah. So, and as in other wars, uh, more soldiers suffered from sickness than from wounds. Mm-hmm. And many hospitals overflowed with influenza patients. Oh, my. The number of nurses volunteering for military service caused a shortage at home. 
And after the armistice, many nurses' tours were extended to care for the men with the influenza. And they didn't have the medications or the uh, pharmaceutical advances then that they do now. It was just basically either get better or die. Yeah. They started doing some uh, injections, though, through there somewhere. Yeah. Did they? Yep. But the flu epidemic at the end of World War I resulted in an uh, unintended breakthrough for the black nurses. Uh, before the epidemic, most African Americans were effectively banned from the Army Nurse Corps and the Red Cross. So the urgent need for nursing care finally overruled this discrimination against nurses of color. Now, it wasn't until World War II that American nurses really came into their own. This hmm. is where they really stood out. And during that war, Army nurses could achieve full officer status, and all nurses enjoyed an improved public image. It took that long. Wow. But it was through wartime service that the women of this humanitarian vocation eventually earned the appreciation of the medical establishment, as well as the public. So 80 years after the Civil War, when doctors dismissed the efforts of volunteer women, nurses finally gained acceptance as true partners in the medical profession. That doesn't seem possible. Well, you know... I guess there's just an ego thing there, and uh, obviously there was obviously some really good doctors that knew the value of a good nurse. You know, I would have thought that nurses would have been very prominent back at the Revolutionary War. Yeah, you would think that they would see the yeah. the care and the giving because there weren't enough doctors to go around. Absolutely. So, so who cared for them then? Well, I think uh, just volunteers. I, I think see. women, and uh, even if they weren't called nurses, I see. So. But, you know, there's little doubt that doctors practicing on the frontier needed the help of a good nurse. Now, most people uh, were sick. They were bedridden for long periods. And nursing care was the primary treatment for illness. Just somebody to be there. My goodness. So, despite the great scientific and technical progress in medicine and nursing during the 20th century, many facilities in rural areas remained primitive for years. Hmm. I mean, you can imagine out here in this part of the West, I mean, communities 20, 30, 40 miles apart. Yeah. So, hospitals were sometimes merely converted homes or other buildings with a little bit of equipment. Uh, major surgical cases were usually sent to the bigger towns, and a nurse would often accompany the patients on these uncomfortable trips by train, maybe even automobile, or even in a sleigh hmm. in the middle of winter. Uh, sometimes the railroad put patients on cots in the baggage compartment because oh I guess that was the only way they could lay them down. Yeah. So that was kind of the state of the medical care in some of these really remote areas. But the first nurse to come to Montana Frontier with formal training was probably a lady by the name of Catherine Babbage Carruthers, and she was known in the region as Miss Babbage. I see. But after training in to be a midwife in Washington, D.C., uh, she arrived by steamboat at Fort Benton in 1864 up there in Montana. And doctors were scarce, and Miss Babbage filled the shoes of both nurse and doctor to a lot of the frontier men and, and their families in that area. Hmm. So, now one of the first nurses registered in Montana was a gal they called Auntie Ray. Oh, by Auntie her patients, Ray. Auntie Ray, and she actually established a maternity home where women could come in from the distant uh, outlying areas and stay at this uh, uh, maternity home until they had their baby, which. 
had to improve the the birth rate of live oh my. babies by a huge amount. Absolutely. But another early Montana nurse was her name was Thora Firming Phelan. Say that fast five say, times. Go ahead, try it. We're going to call her Mrs. Mrs. Phelan. That's the way to do it. <laughs> but anyway, after serving as an army nurse in the Spanish American War in 1898, Thora came to Montana shortly after the turn of the century. She married a guy by the name of Mr. Phelan. That's why we're going to call her Mrs. Phelan. Oh, come on. What was his name? <laughs> Doesn't even say Mr. Okay, Mr. <laughs> but she went with him to a ranch in the Bear Paw Mountains north of the Missouri River. Okay. And this was up in Montana. Yep. And this was a blessing for the families who lived in these rugged foothills. She traveled by horse or wagon. Uh, she nursed her neighbors through epidemics of typhoid, measles, scarlet fever. Now, here again, consider she's among these people that are sick and whatever else uh, came to these homesteaders. And there were no doctors nearby, so she was usually on her own to face any misfortune that presented itself, which she did with calm self-assurance. Wow. And we're talking about cuts and broken bones yeah. and, and wounds of all kinds. But on one occasion, to reach a suffering child from a severe infection, this woman traveled 30 miles by horse and wagon in a blizzard. Mm. She found the little girl shivering in an unheated shack with the wind whistling through the cracks in the walls. There was no water, so she started a fire, melted some snow. She bathed the child in the heated water, wrapped her in blankets, made a bed using saw horses she found in the yard. And what other measures she took are not really recorded, but they must have been effective because the child survived. Wow. I mean, what was the child doing out there all by itself? Well, it wasn't. I mean, somehow she, they got word to her. And the child was must have been with the family, I but see. they didn't know what to do I see. for this child. Okay. So, but anyway, from approximately 1870 to 1910, as doctors and patients began to accept hospitals as true medical facilities, the education of nurses evolved. Now, this blossoming of nurse training was prompted by the need for, and I hate to say this, but cheap labor in hospitals. That's too bad. It is, because women, especially female students, they fulfilled that need. Now, in spite of the low wages, many women entered the nursing field. And again, I've got to say, it must, they must have felt it was their calling yeah. in life. Yeah. But in 1873, there were only three nursing nurse training schools in the United States. But by 1900, just a few years later, there were 432, and by 1910, more than a thousand places where nurses could get training. You know, and there's excellent training right here at oh, yes. uh, the College CSI. of Southern Idaho. Yeah. Yes. My daughter-in-law, as a matter of fact, is a nurse. And that's a great place to go. Yep. It really is. But yep. Montana was among the earliest states to offer nurse training, and that was in Great Falls. But uh, one early student uh, recalled making trips by stagecoach, traveling up to 65 miles, the last few mi miles on foot, in rural areas. Home care still remained a common service. They, mm -hmm. they would go to the homes. Yeah. But they practiced primarily in private homes, working around the clock with no time off for $6 a day plus meals. Oh, my goodness. Six dollars. Which you, would be today the equivalency of what? Six hundred? <laughs> With I don't inflation? Know. But, I don't uh, know either. Again, you know, uh, these nurses, uh, 
I don't think they were ever really truly appreciated, no. except maybe no. by their patients. Yeah. But even the doctors who work side by side with them often fail to recognize their invaluable contributions to medicine. Yet physicians, patients, and all of mankind owe a huge debt to, and gratitude to these professional women. Absolutely. Um, and their their creed declares in part, it says, With loyalty will I endeavor to aid the physician in his work and devote myself to the welfare of those committed to my care. There you go. And Our salute to nurses. Yeah, and again, even today, I I think it's improved a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you and I have both been in hospitals in various situations, and I can honestly say I've I've always been treated very well. Well, and today there's been the inclusion of males in the exactly, nursing industry. Exactly, and yeah. that probably was kind of a breakthrough, too. And there's yeah. a lot of male nurses that, that do amazing work, and yeah. I, I applaud their, their efforts and their dedication. Yeah. So. Very interesting story about uh, the state of medicine back in the 1800s, actually even before. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much. You bet. What did you learn that uh, stayed with you the most when you did that study on nursing? You know, I think the fact that, uh, you know, I always hear about the doctors traveling for 10, 20, yeah. 30 miles. Yeah. But you don't think about the nurses being the only medical care traveling 30, 40, 50 miles to somebody's homestead. I've got to say that through my past of having over 17 operations and everything and all the things that have happened to me in my life, do I remember the doctors? Yeah. But do I remember the nurses more? Absolutely. Their personalities, their their, uh, wanting to give and help people, they stay in your mind. They do. Just the comfort and the... Just being there, yeah. even if they weren't doing anything, yeah. sometimes uh, they would just stay there with you, maybe hold your hand, be, yeah. just be there. Absolutely. So. so I guess this is our salute to nurses nationwide, worldwide. Worldwide, today. you bet. Because now we're heard, what, in 110? About 110, 12 countries, yeah. So we're Man. still out there. To all the nurses around the world, Dr. History and Zeb salute you. Yes. There you go. What are we going to talk about next week? I I'm don't sure you've know. got it prepared. <laughs> what about the medicines, though, as far as one question I had while you were doing this whole dissertation is that whether it was from the Civil War or whether it was leading up to World War II, what about pharmaceutical companies as we know them today? They seem to be on every corner in every state, et cetera, and every time you turn on the TV, you're going to hear about different pharmaceuticals that are available. When did they really take off and flourish? You know, I'm really not sure. I know that penicillin was one of the first major yeah. breakthroughs, you know, as and and also just cleanliness, just keeping things clean. Yeah. In fact, there was a hospital where it was a learning hospital for doctors, and in the basement they had their anatomy lab where they did dissection. And when uh, a baby needed to be delivered, they would go up to the second or third floor, deliver a baby, and the mortality rate was high. And there was a doctor, and I can't remember his name. He said, uh, let's wash our hands before we go up to deliver the baby. There you go. And the mortality rate decreased immensely. Oh, Great. Dr. History, you did it again. Thank you so much. You have a good day, Zeb.